This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Uh, welcome to a, another edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast. Today, I am joined by somebody very special. Now, if you've listened to the Midday Show with Benigno and Roberts, you've heard this guy call in. He's very, very obnoxious as a caller, but I know him for a while because many years ago when I first started working with Joe, he did an ad campaign with the radio station, and that campaign was he was going to work with me and get me into shape and change my life. And he actually did. So I started working with this guy many years ago. I think it was late 2007. And he changed my philosophy on food, on health. And really, it was not only because of this man's knowledge when it came to it. It was the passion I saw. And we became friends. He's a great Dolphin fan. We actually went to the final Jet-Dolphin game at the conclusion of the Brett Favre season, as I like to call it, when Chad Pennington and the Dolphins won the AFC East at Giants Stadium. I went with this moron who actually dressed as a Dolphin. But over the years, he's inspired me in many ways. I once went over to his house. He had 15 TVs set up to watch football. And I said to myself that day, someday I'm going to set up a room just like that. And I did it because I wanted to be like this guy. You hear him on the Midday Show, great Dolphin fan, business owner, the owner of Natural Body Inc. He will join me as today we will break down fantasy football. And I think he's qualified to because this is a guy who takes detailed notes about everything. He's in a lot of fantasy leagues. He's in big money leagues that cost more than my home. So I trust him. So ladies and gentlemen, let us welcome to the Evan Roberts podcast. He's known on the radio as Stephen Howard Beach. Steve, was that a proper introduction? That was an over-the-top, absolutely tremendous introduction. I can't thank you enough. Now, one thing I want everybody out there to know is that Evan, over the years, has been one of my greatest clients. He took an absolute beating at my hands in the gym for over a year and I got to give it up to him. He did things that I didn't think that any client would ever be able to handle, including wearing a 60-pound weight vest, doing deadlifts day in, day out, and never complained once. He withstood the brutal workouts, and he made an incredible change over that time period. So I'm incredibly happy to be here today. This scratches an itch for me because I did go to school in the hopes of becoming an in-studio NFL analyst and or broadcaster. I ended up starting Natural Body as a sophomore in college, and the rest is history. And here I am today, over 25 years later, on the Evan Roberts podcast. And uh, this could be a launch pad to something very cool in the future for me, maybe on WFAM, but you never know. 
So you think this podcast, this is my, I think it's my 14th or 15th episode, whatever it is. You think this is going to launch your brilliant career? You think you're going to be on NFL Network next month or something? No, I don't think I'll be on NFL Network, but the way things have evolved technology-wise, you can go and create a social media account via Instagram, Facebook, get on YouTube, create a channel. There are so many ways to become a household name day in and day out without having to be on the NFL or uh, ESPN or even in studio at WFAM. But am I going to launch that now? No, I still have some unfinished business to do at Natural Body and hire some people that can basically do my job. But when that happens, I, I may dabble a little bit in the <laughs> uh, in the sports world, uh, right. in, in right. the NFL, you know, fantasy world or analyst world, as it right. uh, seems. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, I appreciate you doing this. And what I've done with this podcast is that I scratch an itch on my end of things I don't normally talk extensively about on the radio. We are going to incorporate a lot more fantasy this season because I think fantasy football is a juggernaut. When you look at the popularity of the National Football League, I think it has a big a big aspect and a big hand in its popularity. And recently, I was at the barbershop getting my hair cut, and all, all the barbers were talking about was fantasy, fantasy, fantasy. So I like this podcast because I get to talk extensively more about things I don't normally do on the air. But one thing if you're listening now is you can expect more talk about fantasy on the fan throughout this season. Now, here's the way we're going to do this, all right? We're going to go through the main positions, obviously, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. We're going to give our opinion on the top five guys. I know they may seem obvious, and sometimes they are, but I think what isn't, is how you rank those guys. you know. And we start with running back, which is the top of the draft. And we'll get to sleepers later as well. Steve has a couple. He will share some of his philosophies that has led him to be very successful in fantasy. And later on in the podcast, I will explain, because this has been brought up on Twitter. Uh, a lot of people want to know the answer to this, and I, I have a lot of explaining to do. I will explain how one year I actually went O for a fantasy season. I actually lost every head-to-head week of a fantasy season. And I have my reasons on why it happened. But let's start with running back, which is really the way most of your drafts are going to start. I think number one is easy. To me, Todd Gurley is clearly that number one guy. If I am picking first in any kind of league, I'm starting with Gurley. You look at the development he had last year, and obviously the change of head coach and the change of offense had a big part of it. He caught the football. He had six receptions, six touchdown receptions. He ran the football incredibly well, which we all knew. But if you look at the development from year one, year two, he took a little bit of a step back. And then last year, he became the best all-around running back in the National Football League. And a lot of it has to do with the brilliant head coach and their offense, which is taking the next step. So I think number one is easy. Do you agree with that, or are you going to fight with me and tell me Le'Veon Bell or David Johnson's number one overall? Now, we're discussing PPR in some way, shape, or form here. I think most leagues now are incorporating either a half point point per reception or a full point per reception. If we're going that route, it's somewhat debatable here between Gurley, David Johnson, and uh, Le'Veon Bell. But I agree with you. I think Todd Gurley here is not so much the no-brainer, but based on what he did in 2017, which uh, I believe he's going to duplicate in 18 due to the fact that they do have a better offense, they have a better defense, and we're going to see a lot more out of Todd Gurley this year in his his fourth year. 
Here's what scares me about Johnson, because last year, if you go back a year ago, he was the number one guy. I mean, obviously, Todd Gurley hadn't broken out, and David Johnson was coming off just an insane year, and especially in a PPR league where David Johnson will certainly catch the ball out of the backfield. Here's the problem with David Johnson. I don't trust that team, and I think while catching the football, those numbers should be big either way. I think the Arizona Cardinals, in my opinion, are not going to be a great team. I think they're going to be playing from behind a lot. So I'm not sure if he's going to be able to get the carries to get to 1,300 yards on the ground or even the 16 touchdowns that he got a couple of years ago. So he's still a a great player, don't get me wrong, but that's where I lean towards Gurley over Johnson. I think the Rams are going to be playing ahead a hell of a lot more than the Cardinals are. The Cardinals, uh, David Johnson has a vision for a 1,000 and a 1,000. So basically, I I can't discount what he sees that he's going to do on the football field this year. He's uh, coming back from an injury that cost him the basically the entire season in 2017, but it wasn't an ACL. It wasn't an Achilles. I feel he's coming back, and based on his gameplay over the last couple preseason games, he looks like he's really ready, and that team I am counting as one of my teams to basically make a major shocking surprise and get into the NFC playoffs this year. I think the Cardinals are going to show some great consistency over the season. They're going to give them the rock game in and game out. And I think David Johnson is going to carry this team into the playoffs in 2018. So therefore I rank him as my second overall. Le'Veon Bell is interesting. And, you know, remember last year we saw the same crap with him, with him holding out. And the numbers at the end of the year were there. The problem was, if you go back to how Bell got there, he got off to a slow start. You know, you look at the first four weeks of the season last year, first five weeks of the season, he was not that elite guy. And I don't know if that has something to do with the holdout. I think logic leads towards that point that he got off to a slow start. What what settles me is that he ended up producing with big numbers. So I wouldn't be scared about the fact that he's not showing up until the very end. But... I think that when you have an offense like that with Big Ben and Antonio Brown and a couple of one sleeper in particular, which we'll get to later, James Washington and Juju, I think that Bell may not get in the end zone as often as the fantasy owner will want because of some of the other weapons that are there. He only got in the end zone. I think it was a combined 10 or 11 times last year. I think you want those numbers to be higher. But the one thing I would be scared about with Bell is a repeat of last year, that if you draft him top three, four, which he will be, is he going to get off to that similar kind of slow start like we saw a year ago? I think this is the year where the injuries finally catch up to Le'Veon Bell. I think this is the year where the Pittsburgh offense takes a little bit of a dip down. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year. I think we're going to see a 10 to 15% touch and accumulation and yardage reduction from Bell, but that is still in my estimation, good enough to keep him in the top three, and that's why I rank him third overall. So you put Zeke number four amongst the big four running backs? I have Zeke at four. I think Ezekiel Elliott, like David Johnson, is going to carry that offense. I think the Cowboys are a playoff team this year. I think they're going to shock some people across the country. And uh, I see. I believe we're going to see more receptions out of uh, Ezekiel Elliott this year than in years past. Well, I think he has to because the Cowboy receivers, at least to start, and, and, you know, I think as time goes on, we may feel differently about it. Alan Hearns, if he's healthy, the rookie, I'm sorry, I got all excited. I threw my microphone. 
Uh, Michael Gallup, the rookie wide receiver, even Tavon Austin, there's a lot of hope with him. But as of right now on paper, the Cowboy receivers suck. And I think because of that, here's the negative to it. I think when you face the Dallas Cowboys, you're game planning to stop Zeke. I mean, he is the number one guy you're going to circle and you're going to say, we have to slow him down. We have to kind of dare Dak Prescott to beat us through the air with the lack of weapons that he has. That's my only concern about Zeke. If anything, the suspension last year was a good thing. Because it limited the carries and it limited the the wear on the tire, if you will. I mean, he's still only 23 years old, but you take out the six games and you take out the 20 to 25 carries he would have had in those games, you never know. So in a weird way, the following year, it actually helps. But I expect Zeke to have a big year. I think it would be a big help, especially in a PPR league, if he's going to catch the football a hell of a lot more. And I think he's going to need to because of the lack of wide receivers that Dak is starting off with. I believe in Dallas with that offensive line, I don't think eight in a box is going to matter much. I believe Zeke will still have an incredible year. I think Prescott is going to have his best year. And I think we're going to start seeing some of that eight in a box become minimized as the year goes on, as Dak becomes uh, a better and better quarterback and develops chemistry with some some of his new receivers this year. So. Therefore, I believe Zeke will have uh, his best year ever. For the fifth spot, see, I think this is where it gets difficult. Obviously, the top four guys, it's just debating the order of it. I I went back and forth with Alvin Kamara and Saquon Barkley between who I would put in that fifth spot. And obviously, the worry about Barkley is just the fact he's never played before. I mean, we're talking about a rookie. We're talking about the unknown. But the more I think about it, I mean, this is a guy that's come in with so much hype, as much hype as any running back we've seen. Even Zeke a couple of years ago came with a lot of hype. I think with the way this offense is built, their offensive line should be a lot better. I mean, Odell is certainly going to get in the end zone a lot, assuming he's healthy. But I think Saquon is going to get the ball in his hands a lot, not only running the football, but I think he's certainly going to catch the ball out of the backfield. He's going to get a lot of touches. And so I lean a little bit towards Saquon being that fifth guy I guess it's a little bit of a risk only because he's never played before, but I would go with Barkley with my fifth spot slightly ahead of Alvin Kamara. I rate Barkley sixth, and my fifth is going to be a little bit of a shocker here, and that is Leonard Fournette. Now, the Jacksonville Jaguars have made some incredible additions to their offensive line. This is, remember, this is his second year. He dropped 10 pounds. He put on more muscle. He's faster and they're going to use him more out of the backfield. We're going to see an increase in his reception count, and that's going to lead to overall more points, not only in receptions, but in touchdowns. I believe he's going to score a couple more touchdowns on the receiving end, and Leonard Fournette is my surprise sneak into the top five. The Jacksonville Jaguars have the defense to allow him to explode and get his hands on the ball even more than he did in 2017. And I think his average draft position when I was looking before was more in the 8 to 12 range. Is that fair to say? He's going in most drafts that I've been doing, mocking with, is he's in the second round. He's in that 11 to 15 area. And, you know, if you're in that first round and Leonard Fournette is staring right at you, you may not want to pass him up because he's going to break into that top five running back echelon this year. This is where Leonard Fournette may lead the league in total yardage rushing. My my only concern about Fournette, 
is the health, not just the nagging injuries he dealt with last year, but if you look back at college as well, and he takes a he takes a beating because he does have a very heavy workload. So that would be my only concern with him. But no, it's not bad because look, with the kind of defense that Jacksonville has, like you mentioned, there could be a lot of opportunities where he is just trying to eat up the clock for Jacksonville and just try to keep the ball out of the hands of their quarterback that they clearly don't trust. We saw that during the playoffs. So from that aspect, he's certainly going to get a lot of touches. That's for sure. He just needs to stay healthy like anybody. Well, due to the fact that their defense is what it is. Now, remember, most of those guys on the defense are entering into their second and third year in the NFL. I I don't believe they'll, they're going to score as much as they did last year on the defensive end. But remember, these guys, again, are going into their second and third year. They're going to be better. And that's going to give the offense more opportunities with the ball. And uh, I believe Fournette is going to be a major recipient of a lot of that point accumulation uh, in Jacksonville next year. All right, let's get to the receivers. My number one guy, and I think you know most people say it's Antonio Brown. I flip a coin between Odell and Antonio Brown. I think if Odell is healthy, and look, you, you have to take that leap of faith that he who has not been touched during this preseason, basically, they're keeping him in bubble wrap, that he is going to be healthy this season. Uh, I lean a little bit towards Beckham, and maybe that's just a bias of getting to watch every snap the guy's ever played in in the National Football League. I don't think you could go wrong either way. And I've said this on the air, Steve, I think Beckham's going to have a huge year. I think this is just going to be a monster year. He had a great year two years ago when he was healthy, and he certainly got a lot of targets. He got in the end zone 10 times. He definitely had 100 receptions. I know Antonio Brown's basically a lock to do that. So I would say this. I think Brown's the safer pick, even though he's dealing with a quad issue right now. But I really sense, especially if he doesn't get that contract, and even if he does, but especially if he doesn't get that contract, I really think we're going to see a just a monstrous year out of Odell. So it's close. I'm going Odell number one over Antonio Brown. The reason I have Beckham behind Antonio and at number two, DeAndre Hopkins, is because of the injury and the difference in the giant offense this year. There are more options. You have Evan Ingram, you have Antonio, uh, you have uh, Odell Beckham. You got to get the ball to your early. You got to get the ball to your running back. So therefore, that distribution of ball is only going to go so far. So that's why I feel Beckham is a close third behind DeAndre Hopkins at two. Yeah, I mean, look, and Hopkins is definitely three, especially if the quarterback Deshaun Watson is going to be healthy because that's a thing. That's been so impressive about DeAndre Hopkins. When you look at his career that he's put together, they have had such garbage quarterbacks in Houston. They they really have. I mean, it's been a cavalcade of garbage. And Hopkins has obviously put together a very stellar career over the first four years of his career, three years of his career, whatever it is now. So he's clearly the third guy. Uh, and if Watson can stay healthy, which is certainly a question after the injury he suffered last year, he too should have a... Huge season. I'd put him number three at wide receiver. The reason I have him at two, uh, slightly behind Antonio Brown, who year in and year out just basically proves, even though last year DeAndre Hopkins in some leagues was outscored Antonio Brown, but Antonio year in and year out, the efficiency when it comes to receptions and targets is unlike any receiver in the league. His efficiency in terms of catching the ball when targeted outshines any receiver in the league. 
His chemistry with Ben is undeniable. I have him at one, but Deshaun Watson entering his second year, I don't know how he can duplicate game in and game out what he did last year, but if he comes close to it, DeAndre Hopkins is going to have an absolute Pro Bowl season. That's why I rate him a close second behind Antonio Brown with Beckham at three because of the industry, because of the injury and the other options. It's not as too many mouths to feed in New York. So therefore right. I, I rate him a close three. You know who I'm going to put four. I'm actually going to put Devonte Adams. Number four. I'm going to put him ahead of Michael Thomas. I'm going to put him ahead of Julio Jones, AJ green. If you were debating those guys, because he is the unquestioned number one receiver in green Bay. Now they improved at the tight end position. No question about that. But I could see, especially because if you look at the amount of times Aaron Rodgers targeted him last year, I think that number is going to remain very, very high. You're going to have a healthy Aaron Rodgers this year. At least that's the assumption I'm making. I mean, you never know. I mean, you could get some kind of crazy injury. But I'm actually going to put Devontae ahead of Thomas, who now the Saints have become more of a running team with the guys that they have. And even Julio Jones, because the Falcon offense took a little bit of a step back last year. It really did. And I think that the change in offensive coordinator certainly had a lot to do with it. But I'm going to slot Devontae Adams number four at receiver. I absolutely agree with you. This is where I have Devontae Adams. I think this duo excels to that next elite quarterback to receiver level. The additions on offense, I think Jamal Williams is going to be a surprise this year and help those receivers uh, tremendously. Uh, I think Devontae Adams has a Pro Bowl season, and that's why I rate him fourth. I agree with everything that you said. How about that? How about that? I want to. A part of me wants to be really different at five and not just say Julio Jones or Michael Thomas. So I'm not. I don't have the balls to say I'd put this guy as my fifth receiver, but I do want to make it clear that I think this guy is going to have a huge bounce back here, and that's Amari Cooper. I really do. I I don't know if I'm sitting there at a fantasy draft, if I actually have the balls to take him ahead of Julio Jones. Julio Jones, oddly enough, there's a personal note on this guy. A few years ago, I was in the fantasy playoffs, and it was the first round, and I went into a Monday night that Julio was playing in. All my guys were done. My opponent only had Julio Jones, and I was up by 45 points. I I mean, I thought I had it. I'm watching the game. I'm very relaxed. I'm cracking open a beer. And Julio put together an all-time, all-time, all-time kind of performance. Against the Packers. I lost that game because I <laughs> yeah, I was going against Jordy Nelson that night. I was down like 20, and then Jordy Nelson catches that late bomb. I I, I guess we both had our ways with that game. Clearly. So I, I a part of me wants a guy like, before his career is over, I kind of want Julio on my team so I can have him on my side. And the safe bet is that, the Falcon offense will bounce back. You know, his numbers will be back up and everything will be great. But I do think Amari Cooper, who's probably a little bit further down on most people's boards because he was so crappy last year with the amount of drops that he had. But you bring in John Gruden, you figure Derek Carr will be better. I don't think Jordy Nelson is there to really take targets away from him. I think he's there to be a leader. I think he's there for the experience that he has. So, Safely, I'd go Julio Jones, but Amari Cooper is a guy I'm looking to be aggressive on at wide receiver this year. Uh, I like Amari Cooper. He's well out of my top eight, but that doesn't mean a nine or 10 receiver can't sneak in and be a, become a top five. Here's where I have a 5A and a 5B. My 5A is Julio. I believe Calvin Ridley helps him dramatically. 
You're not going to see that double coverage on Julio. They have way too many offensive options for them to double cover this guy game in and game out. My 5B is Stefan Diggs. Finally, Stefan Diggs has one of the NFL's, in my estimation, best quarter, best 10 quarterbacks, and that's Kirk Cousins coming in. We're going to finally see what Stefan Diggs is made of in Minnesota. Now, same thing in Minnesota. You have a lot of offensive weapons. Uh, Thielen is going to allow Diggs to get separation in terms of one-on-one coverage, and those running backs are going to help tremendously as well. And uh, you're going to see a lot from Rudolph, Kyle Rudolph this year. So you're going to have a lot of one-on-one with Diggs. So that is my 5A and 5B. Do not sleep on Stephon Diggs this year. Uh, let, let me go to tight end. And here's the thing about Rob Gronkowski. Right? And you said this on the air with me when you called in. I asked you a very simple question, which I think a lot of people have to ask themselves before they go into their draft room. And that is, how does my fandom affect my draft? Now, you said very clearly, it doesn't. It doesn't. You do not think about that. You can't think about it. You will draft a Patriot. You will draft a Jet. You will not draft a Dolphin. You think that way. I I am a little bit different in that it doesn't mean I won't draft a Patriot. I won't draft a Dolphin. But I really don't want to. If the value is there, if a guy falls, I'll jump on it. The reason I'm going to take Travis Kelsey over Rob Gronkowski is not because of the fandom. It's a very simple thing. And I know Rob, for the most part, was healthy last year. I mean, he played, I think it was 14 out of 16 games, which is pretty good for him. I got to tell you, bro, I don't trust him. I don't trust him to stay healthy. I don't trust that he really cares anymore. I mean, when you start thinking about retirement, when you start floating about retirement, I don't know. And look, I think there's a level of risk with Kelsey because of the quarterback change. No doubt. I mean, you're going from a reliable guy in Alex Smith to a guy with a huge arm in Patrick Mahomes, but we don't know. I just feel Kelsey's the safer guy. I feel I can sleep at night knowing, hey, you know, Kelsey's going to be fine. He's going to play. I don't have that feeling about Rob Gronkowski. And so while Gronk is a beast, no doubt, I, I just, I don't feel safe with him. I'd go Kelsey one, Gronk two. Well, I go Gronk one. Here's a reason. Right now, they don't have a number one receiver. And you can say all you want about Chris Hogan, but Chris Hogan has not established himself to be a number one receiver game in and game out in the NFL. Now, he may end up being that in 2018, but Rob Gronkowski is their number one receiving option in that offense right now. And I would say number two is probably James White. So their receivers take a backseat not only to the tight end, but to the running backs in this situation. So I still rate Gronk a clear number one. So me and you have a tremendous difference of opinion between one. Where do you, well, where do you rate Gronk uh, at this point? No, no. I think here's the thing. I think Gronk, if you're telling me right now, he's going to play 16 games. I don't have to worry about it. Then I would rank him number one. I'm saying I'm factoring in the injuries and that he's unreliable. He's 29 years old. He was thinking about retirement. You're right about the points you make, especially with the New England wide receivers right now. No doubt. I just don't trust him. I mean, he's one of those guys that when you draft him, you have no idea if you're going to get a full season out of him and how early you're drafting him. I know there aren't as many great tight ends as wide receivers, so you feel like you need to be more aggressive about it. But this, I just, I'm not, I'm not, I don't trust him. Why would you? Well, game in and game out, uh, it's a little nerve-wracking to watch Gronk. I mean, he's had injury after injury, but he's a baller. He's going after 
every pass within reach and those not within reach. So, you know, as far as passing up Gronk for a Kelsey, I think that's something you're going to regret as the season goes on. Cause if he does play a 16, which we kind of ha- in my estimation, when I go into draft, I only back up off players that have cr- injuries that they can overcome, but choose to sit on the bench with Gronk has had these injuries that are not by choice, nor does he, you know, take a seat on the bench because of a nagging, nagging injury. I've seen players year after year take a seat on a bench with an injury they can play with. So I'm going to have to, ele- you know, Gronk is elevated to my number one clearly in the tight end range. And it's because he comes to ball every game. He's the number one option in that offense. Even when Edelman gets back, he's still the number one. So I have Gronk at one. I have Kelsey at two. And I'm an unsure two with Kelsey based on the unknown that we get with Patrick Mahomes. So therefore, so who, I have Kelsey at two close to a surprising three in Jimmy Graham. Well, I... Look, I get the Jimmy Graham thing, and I was thinking about it as well because of the fact he's in Green Bay and he's playing with Aaron Rodgers. And if you look at what he did last year, and this is the thing that you loved as a fantasy owner, is he got his ass in the end zone. I mean, that that's the thing you loved about him. I mean, when you have a double-digit touchdown season, you can live with the fact that he only caught in the mid-50s. So I think that him being in Green Bay is the thing that definitely excites you. The reason why I'd still have him at four and I'd put Zach Ertz ahead of him is the fact that Zach Ertz is just very reliable. I mean, when you look at his career, you go through it. It's basically similar numbers every single year. And he added the element of getting in the end zone a lot more last year. And as you can see with the point about Kelsey over Gronk, and and trust me, I understand most people are going to go with Gronk. He's the better player, no doubt. I want reliability. I don't want volatility. I sound like Walt Clyde Frazier right now. Okay. And I think... Yeah, go ahead. So here's where I see a difference. The architects of that Seattle offense had Jimmy Graham run limited routes and primarily uh, in the end zone, he was a he was a red zone target. In Green Bay, those routes open up tremendously. The early in the early goings in the preseason, the word out of Green Bay is that Jimmy Graham is as fast as he's ever been. And if he's as fast as he's ever been, and he is going to be able to take part in running any one of those routes that he did when he was back in New Orleans, expect a monster season out of Graham. And don't be surprised if he creeps up into that one or two position. And that is exactly why I have him at three, because he's in a different offense. He'll have more freedom with, and he's with Aaron Rodgers. And uh, I absolutely love Jimmy Graham this year. He's getting drafted in the eighth to ninth round in some leagues. He is an absolute steal in those rounds. Um, I think when it's said and done, the preseason's over. I think Jimmy Graham is is going to be elevated into sixth round. And who's your fourth guy? Do you go Ertz so after? I go Ertz close. I have like a four and a, and a five that are very close here, only by a matter of about 15 total points cumulative throughout the season. I go Ertz four, but I go Rudolph five, and Rudolph is cle- creeping up my ranking chart because of Kirk Cousins. Now, in 2016, keep keep in mind, he's never played with a Kirk Cousins. Uh, he had 83 receptions, 83 receptions, 840 yards, and seven touchdowns. 
with Kirk Cousins, you have to add 10% to each of those numbers. So if you add 10% to e- each of those numbers, you're, you're looking at 90 catches, 1,000 yards, and eight touchdowns. Now, is that going to happen? Probably not. But those numbers that he had in 2016, even if he repeats them, he's a top four tight end. So Kyle Rudolph is uh, slowly sneaking up a lot of draft charts. So keep an eye on Kyle Rudolph and Kirk Cousins and him are going to make a tremendous combination, just like yeah. he is with Diggs. My fifth is it's a mess because I, I can go – I can convince myself on Greg Olson. I can convince myself on Delaney Walker. I can convince myself on Evan Ingram, even O.J. Howard. I mean, O.J. Howard, he, when he was targeted, and he wasn't targeted a lot, but when he was targeted, he was damn efficient. So if he can break away from Cameron Brait, if they can – or they can break away from Cameron Brait – or if there's one big injury to one of the receivers, maybe they'll unlock OJ a little bit more. We know he's a great blocker, and I think that helps because it lets him stay on the field. I even think a guy like Trey Burton in Chicago is moving up my draft board because I think that the Bear offense is going to be vastly, vastly improved. So that fifth spot, I could talk myself into a lot of guys, even uh, David and Joku. And I know Giant fans saw that in the preseason game when he got in the end zone twice. So there's a lot of interesting pieces that I'm going back and forth on on that fifth spot. And I think that, you know, based on maybe I end up with two of them and almost play the matchups, basically. I mean, that's another option because I think there's a lot of interesting guys in that mess after you get to the top four. So I I feel the same way about O.J. Howard to an extent. The problem there is Cameron Bray. The problem there is also Winston coming back after – Week, what is it? Week five, he comes back. So we're going to have some inconsistency in terms of what we see from OJ Howard based on quarterback play and based on a tight end that is playing an equal amount of snaps, if not more than he is. All right, let's get to the quarterback. Well, let me get um, to my sleeper tight end here. I mean, do you want to? Oh, go ahead. Do you want to discuss sleepers afterwards, or you want to go back? Well, let, me, let let's do the quarterbacks, and then we'll get to the sleepers right after that. All right, I want to get through the quarterbacks quickly because I don't find that to be that interesting. I got I got to be honest with you. I got I got um, some interesting points. Don't sleep on me here. And, and I'm not I'm not sleeping on you. I'm just saying that I think the quarterback draft is just a completely different animal because my philosophy has been, uh, you can wait. I mean, sure, you can jump on Aaron Rodgers early. Sure, you could do that if you want. But I think there's a lot of guys that you can really, really wait on and still get great value out of. I I really do. The number one quarterback to me has got to be Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I have seen a lot of rankings that have Deshaun Watson number one. Here's the problem. While when he played, he was incredibly valuable. I mean, we know what he can do with his legs and certainly with his arm too. The guy played seven games. I, I can't put him in my top two or even top three when he's played seven games in the league. So Aaron Rodgers is an obvious number one. Now, understand if Deshaun Watson repeats what he did game in and game out, that will be unprecedented. The league has never, it basically would be 6,000 yards passing and 70 touchdowns. That's not happening. So, <laughs> no, of course not. While I love Watson, I put him at four. Uh, I do have Rodgers, Brady, and even Breeze ranked ahead of him. I don't see the New Orleans offense repeating what they did last year in terms of that run efficiency. Uh, You have Ingram out for four games. 
And I think Breeze is going to air it out once again. I don't think we're going to see the same Breeze that we've seen in 2013 and 14 and 15 and 16. But I believe Breeze is going to have a much better year through the air than he did last year. Yeah, I mean, you keep an eye on his age. Same thing with Brady. But I think the reason why we put them so high is because they're just reliable. I mean, no matter how old they are, we almost have to see them fail before we get away from them. Uh, One guy I would put up there, too, is Russell Wilson. I mean, when you look at the consistency of what he's done, look at the numbers he put up last year. I mean, look what he did. I mean, not only can he make plays with his legs, he rushed for a bunch of yards. He also had some really, really good fantasy numbers. So, and he may have a running game this year. We'll see what Rashad Penny turns out to be. So I'd go Rodgers one. I'd go Brady two because he's reliable. I'd go Breeze three until proven otherwise. I'd go Russell Wilson four as my top four guys. And uh, that's slightly where we differentiate. Who do you have at five? I have Wilson five, Watson four. Yeah, I, I, I'm debating between Deshaun Watson and Cam Newton, but the, the Carolina offensive line, just looks like, I mean, it looks like a disaster. It really does. So I'm probably, it's. I still think it's a gamble when you're talking about a guy that's played seven games in the league, but I'd lean towards Watson ahead of Cam Newton. At that point, see, I don't think I'm going to end up with a Deshaun Watson because I think he'll be overvalued. I think there's going to be a lot of people that are so wrapped up about what he did in those seven games that he'll be picked far earlier than I would consider it. And at that point, if I'm not getting one of those top three guys, I'd rather wait. I'd rather wait, rather wait late because I think there's a few sleepers that I could get very late in the draft that I think are going to be very productive. And we'll get to those sleepers in a moment, but at uh, with Russell Wilson in 2016, he was hampered by that knee injury all year. In 2017, he had a phenomenal year, not only passing through the year, but on the ground. I think he's going to repeat that and have an even better year than he did last year. That kind of gets him, you know, into that uh, top five ranking, but I still think Watson is slightly going to outperform him. So right now I have him at five because I have no faith in that Seattle running game. I don't know who's going to come out of that backfield carrying the load. It may be a a split between three to four guys. So that's why I I believe Russell Wilson is still be a terror through the year in 2018. Yeah. I mean, right now, I mean, it's Rashard Penny if he's healthy. It's uh, what's his name? Chris Carson, Chris Carson, Mm -hmm. It's it's not pretty, and the offensive line is still not great in Seattle. I mean, I don't know how good the Seahawks are going to be this year, just on another note. You know, I'm waiting for their complete, utter demise, but I think Russell Wilson's good enough to save it from being a complete cluster, you know what? But their offensive line isn't very good. They can't run the football very much. So, hey, from that standpoint, Russell Wilson will give you good fantasy numbers because they if they're behind a lot and he's throwing the ball a lot, you'll be thrilled. That's for now, sure. Now, Seattle may end I, up being an 8-8 eight eight team, but fantasy-wise, he may win you a championship, and that's that's not the way you look at games. If you're if you're playing fantasy football, you're not worried about the record; you're worried about the stats. So no, that's part of why. And I love fantasy football. Don't get me wrong, but that's a part of why it's not real. That a lot of ways you analyze. It's very different than baseball, and fantasy baseball is not nearly as popular as fantasy football. I totally get it. But I think there's more realism in baseball than there is football because you sometimes analyze and want guys on crappy teams because they're better for you, especially at the quarterback position. If you're up by a lot, the odds are you're taking the air out of the football and you're not going to pad your numbers. If you're down by a lot, you're going to put up empty stats, which aren't empty if that guy's on your fantasy team. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. If but in in the case where you have an absentee running game and you have a young quarterback, you don't want that type of player because that type of player will just lead you to loss after loss week in and week out. I've seen it with futile quarterbacks that uh, have no running game and their offense is a complete disaster. That earns you no points. So be very careful in terms of that way of thinking as well. Um, let's get to sleeper quarterbacks. Who do you have at, at your sleepers in terms of the quarterback position? Well, there's two guys, and they're both very different as far as their roles for the entirety of this season. And you got to keep that in mind, the entirety of this season, because one guy who I love is Tyrod Taylor. Now, the truth is Tyrod Taylor is not starting all 16 games. I mean, there's a very good chance at some point we are going to see Baker Mayfield step up. But Tyrod Taylor can rush if he does play a full season for 500 yards. He can get in the end zone five, six, seven times with his legs. He's got weapons in Cleveland, especially if Josh Gordon's going to have his head on straight and your former guy, Jarvis Landry. He doesn't turn the ball over. Tyrod Taylor is one of the most underrated quarterbacks, not just in fantasy, but in the real world. But you need to bring someone else in. And maybe it is Baker Mayfield. I mean, maybe you just attach the two so that one Taylor loses his job because he will. Not because of his own volition, but because Baker Mayfield's the future. But I think Tyrod, and what I love about Tyrod, Steve, too, is everybody forgets about him. So I'm able to get him incredibly late in the draft, and I don't have to waste my time finding a quarterback when I know, hey, I can settle on Tyrod. The other guy who I think is going to have a huge year is Mitchell Trubisky. I really do. I think that this new offense, Matt Nagy coming in, and not only the new offense, but the weapons. I mean, he's got a running game with Jordan Howard. He's got a running back that he can throw the football to and Tariq Cohen. They went out and they added receivers. I mentioned the tight end earlier that I think improves them. So I think that they have got enough weapons and toys for him to play with that I think eventually Mitchell Trubisky is going to be that breakout quarterback this year. So you could put those two together. And I think feel okay and feel like you're going to get enough numbers and not have to draft either guy all that early. So I have two and one of them we agree with. One of them we, we, we agree with completely. And uh, that's Tyrod Taylor. Now, if you look at Tyrod's best season in 2015, he played 14 games. He had 3000 yards passing, which isn't a ton, but 20 touchdowns. He had 568 rushing yards with four touchdowns. If you trend that out over 16 games, you have 3,500 plus passing yards and you have 650 plus uh, rushing yards. Now, he may not have the legs he once did, but it's only two years apart from that season that he had. But look at the difference. He's in Cleveland with a much better offense than he was with when he was in Buffalo. David Njoku. Jarvis Landry, who I believe when it's all said and done is going to be a Hall of Fame receiver. Josh Gordon, Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde is not is a pretty good receiver out of the backfield. And when it's third down, they're bringing in Duke Johnson. So he has weapons that he's never had before. And what I think is going to happen, I think I disagree with you completely in terms of him playing a full season. I believe he's going to play a full season. I don't think Mayfield gets on the field because I believe the Browns are finally going to have success, and I believe the team is going to get behind them fully. And that's why I see a little bit of a controversy brewing in Cleveland at the end of the 2018 season. 
because Tyrod will, by the end of this season, have done everything it took to keep the job because he will excel at the job. Again, he's had op- he has options that he's never had in Buffalo. Now, we can talk about LaShawn McCoy, but Buffalo has never had the likes of a Javis Landry or a Josh Gordon, a Carlos Hyde, a Duke Johnson, and a David Nujoko who's one of the most athletic young tight ends in the NFL. My other sleeper, who really shouldn't be considered a sleeper, but again, this is a guy who, on alternate years, has that excellent year, and that's Matty Ice. Matty Ice has a Calvin Ridley this year, uh, a number one receiving option in Julio Jones that's proven. He has a better offensive line, and he has those two beasts in the backfield. So, you know, when you have Devontae Freeman back there, uh, and you have the explosion in that offense. He needs a little bit of help from his tight end position, but I think Matty Ice throws for 4,000 yards and 35 touchdowns this year, and I believe Calvin Ridley is the reason that those other offensive options have better years like Julio Jones. So Matty Ice, who you can get in the 12th round this year, which is absolutely mind-numbing, and Tyrod Taylor are my two guys that you can draft late that can get you into the fantasy playoffs. And that's why, I mean, because you saying it, Matt Ryan could be drafted in the 12th round, if they, if that's the case. I mean, it really depends the league you're in. That's proof that it is a waste to rush to draft a quarterback. If you can get Matt Ryan in the 12th round, if you can get Tyrod Taylor even later than that, that's why you take your time. Now, each of us will throw a couple of sleepers out there, all right? A few more. You, we just did a few with quarterbacks, but just in general, it doesn't have to be a specific position. Uh, I'll start off with one guy, okay, and then you could respond with what you have. And a couple of things. First of all, it's funny. What is a sleeper, right? I mean, does the guy have to be drafted when for you to consider them a sleeper? But I'll give you a guy, and this is a guy that's coming off a year in which he wasn't healthy and a guy who's now on a new team, and that guy is John Brown. I think John Brown with the Baltimore Ravens, with Joe Flacco, who can throw the deep ball. I mean, all everyone loves to just kill Joe Flacco and rip Joe Flacco, and now he's got a little bit of pressure on him because Lamar Jackson is there. I think that John Brown, if he's healthy, and that's always a key, he's got the talent, he's got the speed, where he can make a big play. And when you look at the Ravens' depth chart, I mean, really, he'll be the number one receiver. What, Michael Crabtree? Willie Sneed? What are we talking about here? So I think that the combination of the depth chart in Baltimore – the combination of Joe Flacco's ability to throw that deep ball. And I think Flacco's going to have a better year this year. And maybe it is the fact they drafted Lamar Jackson. Maybe it lights a fire. But I think that John Brown and Joe Flacco are going to develop a really good chemistry. And I love John Brown to be one of those sleepers. And I'm trying to think where you can get him. You can probably get him. Ah, oh, man, where's his at? Where do you think John Brown falls in his Tenth draft, round. in fairness, right Tenth now? round. Okay. Which, which yeah. to me, I agree with you completely. When I went over my sleeper list at wide receiver, that is the guy that sticks out to me like a sore thumb. Now, Joe Flacco and Carson Palmer are similar style quarterbacks with equally good arms, right? They have these great cannon arms. In 2015, John Brown had 65 catches, 1,003 yards, and seven touchdowns with Carlson Palmer in in that offense. Uh, So to me, having 70 catches with 1,000 yards is not out of the question, but he's healthy for the first time 
in four years. He's in an offense where he's not the primary. He'll never be the primary. He never was the primary focus. He won't be the primary focus, but I think that's going to land him some very, very big rewards. So in an offense uh, in Baltimore where it's ball control, I believe we're going to see 70 catches for a thousand yards and five to six touchdowns, which makes him an absolute amazing sleeper. So I absolutely agree with you with John Brown. My, my next sleeper there at the receiver position uh, is Nelson Aguilar. I believe he's due for a breakout season. Now he's playing with Wentz for a second season, second full season with Wentz. In 2017, these are 17 numbers, 62 receptions, 768 yards, and eight touchdowns. Now, is he going to repeat eight touchdowns? More than likely not. But if you add 10% to those other numbers, you're looking at a 75 catch season with 900 yards. That is a clear number two receiver. So drafting Nelson Aguilar post ninth, 10th round could really get you into the fantasy playoffs as crazy as it sounds. So uh, Nelson Aguilar, John Brown, another one, Ted Ginn, people continue to sleep on him year in and year out. Ted Ginn gives Drew Brees that downfield receiver option. So I believe Ted Ginn is a hidden gem in your last round in NFL uh, fantasy drafts this year as well. Let me think, because I want to give you another receiver since we're doing it. Um, I'll give you a guy. And it's funny, this guy's best moment of his career was literally one week. And I think he was probably claimed by everybody. And that was last year. He had one huge game in a Green Bay victory, and that was Geronimo Allison. And I could see a little bit him moving up the depth chart a bit in Green Bay. He definitely has the talent. We've seen, you know, Randall Cobb is what he is at this point. And we mentioned Devontae Adams is clearly going to be the number one guy. But I bet you you can get Allison late. And he showed he does have that potential with what he did in that moment last year even though his final totals were just, I mean, there was nothing there. I mean, it was basically that one performance. But I think the opportunity is going to be there. He wasn't targeted a lot. I think he's going to get a lot more targets this year, and that's another receiver late. I mean, look, and when you've got Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, you feel good about it. So I like Geronimo Allison as a guy to keep an eye on who could be a sleeper at the wide receiver. So uh, what's funny is I actually like Geronimo Allison, not enough to draft him, maybe to pick him up as a free agent later. The guy that I like in Green Bay – is Jay Kumaro. Jay Kumaro has got size, speed, incredible hands. He's an incredibly, incredibly trusted receiver. And uh, him and Rodgers have been really connecting very well in Green Bay in the early goings. Not, not in the preseason thus far, but in practices. We keep hearing this name, Jay Kumaro. He'll likely go undrafted. But if you're in one of these 16 to 20 round leagues, that I absolutely love because you get to pick your sleepers. You know, in these 14-round leagues, by the time the draft is over, all your sleepers are still out there because you just have so much abundance of talent at each position that it's kind of hard to take these guys. But I love Jake Kumaro, and I think he's going to make some some hay in the Green Bay offense this year. So uh, that's another guy I like. That's a deep sleeper right there. That is a deep, deep sleeper. Holy crap. That that guy isn't even guaranteed a roster spot. That's how deep your sleeper this went. He, he, he's not guaranteed a roster spot, but he's impressing a lot. And that, and that, if you have an early draft, I don't like early drafts. Because if you're drafting, say, tomorrow, 
you don't get the cuts. You get to miss the last two weeks of preseason. There's a lot to be to be had in those two weeks. So if you're drafting here in the last week or in this next week, you're going to miss out on a lot of information. Injuries become a major factor. So yeah, Jay Coomer, uh, uh, Jay Kumaro may not make the team, but as of right now, I believe he, he certainly will. And uh, don't sleep on Jay Kumaro if you're in a deep draft league. Um, let's go to running back. Who are your sleepers there at running back position? Well, I mentioned this guy on the air the other day, and I have a little lionitis because the Detroit Lions never produce, since Barry Sanders, really, they do not produce reliable running backs. There's always guys that you're high on. Ooh, Amir Abdullah, he's the guy. Or, ooh, Javid Best, he's the guy. And it never seems to work out. But this year, I'm feeling a little bit different, a little bit different about Carrion Johnson. Uh, they traded up for him when they did select him in the second round. If you watched him in college, which a lot of us did because he played at a prominent school, you could see the explosiveness that he has, the comparisons to Le'Veon Bell, which is probably a little nuts, but hey. I think that there's nothing on that depth chart also that really scares me. Like Garrett Blunt, I mean, really? I mean, he's 31 years old. I think he is what he – now, could he scavenger touchdowns in the red zone? Absolutely. That you have to keep an eye on. That could certainly be the case with a guy like LeGarrett Blount. Uh, but, you know, Theo Riddick is more of a pass catcher at this point. I think that Carrion uh, K- Johnson has a chance to break the Lion curse, to actually be a really productive Lion running back. Uh, so my one of my sleepers at running back would be Carrion Johnson. This is uh, turning into something incredibly funny because I feel the complete opposite. I think the disaster at early round Lion running back selections continues into the 2018 season. I love LeGarrette Blunt in Detroit. I believe he's going to see virtually all the goal line work. I think we're going to see... Uh, a little disappointment from Carrion Johnson early. I think as a result, Blunt gets more work. And when he gets more work in that offense, and they have a pretty high-powered offense, I believe is going to amaze some people in Detroit and throughout the NFL. So my deep sleeper at the running back position is LeGarrette Blunt. The tried, the trustworthy, the tested, the proven LeGarrette Blunt in my estimation, by season's end, will be your point winner at running back in Detroit. Yeah, he's screwing up my team if that's the case. Uh, and I'm probably biased, but Bilal Powell. I mean, I think Bilal Powell, forget his age. You know, there isn't that much wear on his tire. I'm not sure how prominent the role is going to actually be for Isaiah Crowell. We know Bilal Powell can catch the football out of the backfield. I like Powell, especially if you're in a flex league. Uh, I think Powell can be very effective. So I like him too as a sleeper. So uh, here's another one that I have. Uh, Green Bay running back. Now, uh, that that running back situation is an absolute cluster. Uh, by the way, you said bulls earlier. Did I hear you properly? Is that okay to say bulls? Bull? When did I say bulls? In what I, context? I don't know. I, th- I heard you say bulls in like, all right, let's, let's bypass that for now. But So maybe I did. Who cares? Just What's making, I don't know if we're allowed to say bulls, but. Look, I'm allowed to say anything. I choose. I'm not going to drop f bombs or anything like that. But maybe I said kick you in the balls. Is that okay? You perfectly okay? I know. I'm not offended. I would drop some balls myself. But let's go to uh, my sleeper running back in in Green Bay, 
And that is Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams is fourth round running back taken out of BYU. What a stellar, stellar college career there. Uh, now keep in, keep in mind last year after a non-existent slow start, we seen him come alive late in the season, amassing over 500 yards in eight weeks. And that was on a limited role. He didn't get every carry from, from scrimmage. So trend that over a 16 game season and you have well over a thousand yards. Now, Evan, that was just rushing. So I believe we're going to see a little bit more with Jamal Williams. And remember, he didn't have Aaron Rodgers either. So I believe we're going to see a lot more actually out of Jamal Williams this year. I think we're going to see some goal line work out of Williams. I think we're going to see more receptions out of Williams. And I think he's going to break eight to 900 yards. That makes him a solid two, a tremendous two with tremendous upside running back. So Jamal Williams out of Green Bay, you can draft him as late as round seven, eight, or nine, depending on the, on the league you're in. In a PPR, you're looking at probably round nine. All right, a couple of questions. And I think you've done a fine job, I got to tell you. I mean, you really have. Maybe you do have a future. I mean, really, you, it's very possible. How many leagues are you in in a given year? Uh, at my highest point, I was in eight this year oh. with the addition. So I have four kids. As my wife delivered human beings onto this great earth, I dropped the league. That was my thing. So I went from eight leagues, kid two, seven, Kid three, six, kid four. Now I'm in five leagues, but I may be pushing the envelope at six. Um, Ev, I'm a high energy guy. I have a motor. You've seen me at my best. I don't sleep. I have too much energy. I'm working. I'm being a father. I love my football. I would take on two to three more year, two to three more careers if I didn't have to sleep. So my brain is just always working. And I got to attribute that to my desire to try and be the best at whatever it is that I'm doing and empower others to be better. So whether that's playing fantasy football or here at Natural Body to create better lives, I'm just, my brain is just always moving. It's one of these nonstop movement type brains. It's hard to be around me because I'm always thinking. But uh, this year we're looking at five leagues. I have an incredibly great time. I watch the games game uh, week in and week out at my friend Sweet Movie's house who has – Ev, you got to come over this year. He's got nine flat screens that are 50-plus inches. We don't miss an ounce of football. It's absolutely tremendous. Now, when the Dolphins are on, I am solely focused on that one screen. And then when the, the Dolphin games are over, my peripheral vision opens up and I'm able to focus on everything as crazy as it sounds. No, hey, dude, you, I said this earlier at the top, you inspired me. I now, and I have to invite you over. I may give you the invite. I have a a room that was created and my wife loves it too with a bunch of TVs. I mean, same kind of setup. It's And this is the first football season I'm going to have with it because we just finished it a few months ago. And really it was inspired by you and getting to watch as much as you possibly can. But here's the key question before we end this Mm -hmm. bad boy. All right, I want you to be honest with me. I'm giving you a choice. You can win the championship in all five fantasy leagues in the same Dolphin year. Dolphin Super Bowl all day. Not even close. <laughs> no, not even. Beautiful. I, Ev, no, I'm, I'm glad you gave that answer. That was a so good answer. I am part of this Facebook group called Dolphins NYC. Now, understand, ladies and gentlemen, I have been a Dolphin fan since I knew what football was. That was at about five to six years of age. 
the way that I became a Dolphin fan was 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 incredibly uh, memorable. I had a friend uh, growing up, and uh, we were at the lunch table in school one day, and he had a lunchbox, and he had a, a basket full of crayons. So he says, "What's your favorite color?" This kid's name was Paul. I pick out my favorite color was turquoise. It was called aqua blue at the time. So he's like, "Oh, this is my favorite color." He pulls out like a navy blue color. And I'm like, that's terrible. I just remember the reaction that day was as as vivid as the day as yesterday. So I take the blue crayon. I look for the team that has blue in it. And there's a dolphin helmet on the lunchbox. I became a dolphin fan. Did I know much about the team at the time? No, I was fascinated with the colors. I was a dolphin fan before Marino became a fan before Marino became the quarterback. So as time went on, I became more and more interested, immersed, and knowledgeable about the team. I was year in and year out predicting a Super Bowl for them when Marino was there. When Shula and Marino uh, were separated by this whole introduction of Jimmy Johnson, it just became evident to me that this was not going to happen. We, were, I was not going to see a Super Bowl with Dan Marino. So I thought they're going to restructure the team, fix it, get a young quarterback in there. Maybe I'll see a Super Bowl within the next five years. It has been an epic disaster for an additional 15 to 20 years. So now I'm a lot more realistic when it comes to Miami Dolphin football. I tell you from experience, I tell you as a an individual that has helped a company grow to now five stores, I look at the structure of the team and they are debacle from the top down. Now, their owner, Mr. Ross, is a great owner. He's doing whatever Steve, Steve. whatever can happen. Steve. To, 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 go ahead. Steve. Yep. Steve. All, and, and this is so difficult because we're not in the same room. All I did was ask you about what you'd rather have. You're going on this whole, you told me a life story, basically. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ, this isn't a dolphin. I was just asking a question before we wrapped it up. You're going through crayons, you're going through logos. Now you're breaking down the dolphins. We will do a separate podcast where we just talk about your love that's for the fair, dolphins. That's How tremendous. About that? So yes. Um, All right. So for those out there, I'm, I'm looking at a four and 12 season. Uh, but yes, I'd rather have a dolphin Super Bowl all day. It's been it's been a tremendous dream of mine since I was a young kid. All right. Well, Steve, you did an excellent job. I appreciate it. I appreciate you joining me on this fantasy football preview edition of the Evan Roberts podcast. I had Thank an you incredibly great time. I'd like to do this again. I hope those listeners uh, 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 took a tremendous amount of value from this podcast. Apply it to their leagues. And if Ev, if they have any questions, they can they can get in touch with me. You want me to give my email? No, just give your Twitter oh, account. Give your Twitter yeah. handle. We'll give out your well, email and your phone number. My Instagram is Natural Body, and my Twitter is Natural Body NYC. So again, Twitter right. Natural Body NYC. We'll we'll see how many followers this podcast gets you. I'm curious because this is the end after an hour. I wonder how many people are well, still time listening. out. My my Twitter is Natural Body Inc. It's not Natural Body NYC. I got it wrong. I don't use Twitter much, but I will I will start using it more. Natural Body Inc. I N C. That is my Twitter. You could reach me there. And uh, everybody have a tremendous rest of your day. Thank you very much for listening. All right, thank you, Steve. This has been the, another edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast.